0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Future of Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Our guest today is Ken Hodgkins. Ken is the co-chair of the Off-World Approach for the Hague Institute for Global Justice. For many years, he was the Director Office of Space and Advanced Technology for the U.S. Department of State and the U.S. Representative for the U.N. Committee on the Peaceful Uses of Outer Space. He is also the recipient of several awards, including the International Academy of Astronautics Awards for lasting contribution to the advancement of the Astronautical Sciences and the Secretary of State's Career Achievement Award. Ken, welcome to the future space.
1: Oh, it's a real pleasure, Daniel, to, to join you. I look forward to our conversation.
0: Me too. Me too. There's like such... Interesting work that you're doing with the Hague Institute and the culmination of a lifelong uh, uh, career. But before we get there, could you share with us three words that for you capture the essence of space?
1: Uh, disruptive in a, in a positive sense, um, opportunity and universal. And there are many aspects to that that I'd love to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Were these? Do you think that? I mean, you, you've been in the industry for a long time. If I had asked you the question twenty years ago, would space be these three words? of they have evolved and changed over your uh, your career? Uh, but they
1: probably not. I don't think those. I would have picked those three words. I think maybe it would have been more. You know, awe-inspiring and and you know things like that because there was so much going on. You know, when I joined uh, the the federal government, uh, there were three remote sensing satellites, Landsat one, two, and three, and a handful of meteorological satellites. And the space shuttle hadn't been launched yet. And I mean, we had scientific missions. Uh, So things have changed radically um, since that time. And I and I think that. The three words I chose was more kind of capturing the evolution of the the space enterprise over, over the past 40 years and where we are now.
0: Now, there is obviously a science story. There's a technology story, a geopolitical story. But if I ask you, what is the human story of going to space? What would that resonate um, for you?
1: Well, if you if one of the words I chose specifically on this whole notion of of universal, it gets to that that human the human part of it. Uh, obviously, you you can you can point to things that are directly relatable to the average person on the street, whether it's a cell phone using satellite navigation and 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 communications, or it's getting a, a nice pictures of, of the Earth or or watching storm systems but what i what i'm seeing now and what i'm thinking more and more about in in that regard is kind of the cultural part of of space and what what the when i say universal what do i mean i I'm, I'm looking at the idea that if we're going to move to a global space economy that means everybody is going to have to be be part of that so you know why i asked the question why aren't we inspiring carpenters and plumbers and electricians to want to be in space because we're going to need all of those types of, of skills um, if you're looking if you're in the investment sector why you know, why isn't a space investment your first order of priority as opposed to something that you use with kind of excess um, excess capital that you might you might have uh, sitting there so if you if you look at it in terms of we're moving to a global space economy and I use that in the most general sense because there is all, a lot of other aspects to it then what does it what what does it mean to create the space culture to to kind of support that and I think that's been the for me that's been the biggest change over the past 40 years is is moving into that way of thinking uh, which I think is is going to be critical for for all of us to take take advantage of the, of, of space exploration and low earth orbit and beyond.
0: I mean, if we go back to, you know, the beginning of the space race, all of it was more of a geopolitical, um, move. It was not really about the human experience. It was more about making a statement. And once that first step on the moon was achieved then the motivation to go back kind of disappeared and the technology and the science or the technology was not able to keep up with that, um, with that motivation at the beginning, right? That geopolitical motivation. And so there was this kind of dip where only the government was able to sustain that interest. Uh, because for the corporate or for the business or for the commercial, it, it made absolutely no sense until very recently now, where we have the economics that have caught up and the technology that have caught up. And now we can look into the next phase. How do we transfer the human experience from the planet, from on the planet to in low orbit or beyond? Because great, there's there's a science component, there's a technology that's going to be fun. But if we want to look into going beyond, there's a human experience that we need to bring. And you were talking about the carpenter and everything that that composes the, the human experience on earth has to migrate up there. And in the same way that, you know, back in the, the days of the great migration from Europe to North America, at the beginning you had the explorers, it was resource-based, right? The, the thing that motivated, these country these countries a kingdom to to invest was because they needed resources and new territories and it was really rough at, at the beginning but ultimately for the people to come it was the promise of continuing or starting fresh from where they were and giving them the opportunity to to be human and 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 to, to expand and this is obviously, the, the goal that we have moving beyond the silo of what the space industry has been for so long now expending. And I'm, I'm really happy to see companies like Prada that are getting in, into that narrative and where Axiom, all the, the, these, these, indivi- these, um, brands or these actors that usually are not connected to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now what, what's interesting, um, when you were talking about the geopolitical aspects of of space when i was at the state department you know space was viewed as a as a tool of foreign policy when we had heads of state come to the us the first question is what what agreements can we sign and it was you know the totality obviously of those were things that nasa could do with other countries but the real change was when was with the fall of the soviet union and with that you know the at least for the United States, we made a decision that we would open up the launch market to to Russia, which which meant that the, the you had people had more and more opportunity to get stuff into space. And that really, I think changed the landscape radically because systems like Iridium and Global Star uh, were able to launch, I'm using them as an example from the Soviet Union, uh, before that, they didn't have that opportunity, and you, so you had a, a lack of, of capacity to launch things into space. So all of a sudden, companies looked at this opportunity, I can start launching things. Universities be, began looking at that, that opportunity to build small sats, launch them from, from Russia. And I think that, that that opened up all kinds of opportunities, which was the other other word I had chosen opportunities to to do things that you you were constrained from physical limitations when I say physical either foreign policy limitations or just the fact that there weren't enough launch there wasn't enough launch capability to get things up and you were always uh in the in the queue and the people that paid the most for for launches were the were the first to get up there uh so now you have this uh uh, now you have a wide open uh, capability or capacity for people to get in into space, which then begins the the whole process of new things coming up and then new opportunities. So you mentioned Prada. I mean Prada was not going up on the international Space Station. Uh, you know people were not looking at those those types of activities. I mean there might have been a, a few, isolated incidents, but uh, you you don't have a business plan now being developed that is based on being able to get into space. And it and goes beyond that whole issue of spinoffs. You know, everybody's familiar with the Tang drink being used on by the astronauts or Teflon or things like that. Now you have people that are able to say, I'm going to build a business plan on something I want to do And that business plan is at at the heart will be space uh, for things that you don't typically associate with, with space. So you have that, you have that opportunity. And then I get to the other word, the disruption, the disruptive thinking that now can, can be interjected into anything that you're doing, whether it's scientific or technical or, um, you know, sociological uh, or, or commercial. Now you have a, an entire capability up there that you didn't have before, and that whole notion, as you had alluded to, the you know a migration from Europe, uh, you know across the oceans to to the United States. Uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking in those terms uh, about about space, and and will will that be open for again the average person to to go up into space? beyond just going up and enjoying it for a few minutes and then coming back, but actually staying up there for an extended period of time, which again opens up all new, a whole slew of other opportunities that that, uh, that we aren't even uh, cognizant of today.
0: I and mean, obviously we're not talking, like these things are not gonna happen in 25 years. We're not talking about an entire society that lives in low orbit. We're talking about the direction that the humans, that our species, is going and taking. I mean, if we make the parallel of the migration from Europe to America, it took you know several hundred years until new economies were in place and the average person was also present. So when when we when we talk about that vision of the future it's a it's a obviously a long term a long term uh reality, but we have to talk about that long term so that we can establish the short term foundation to shape the narrative and this is where you are with the Hagen Institute for Global Justice and the off world approach is there's well there's again understanding of what needs to be done on the technology aspect of it the 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 politics the legal aspect of it and the the legislation aspect of it are still missing right some the i think the 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 last big agreement that we have goes back to 1967 the outer space you know agreement back in the days where the concord was just you know uh, conceptual and now we have the artemis accord who out of you know, out of all the countries on the world, there's only 39, I think, who have signed. And China and Russia are not part of it. And now the Hague Institute for Global uh, Justice, with the Offworld, is trying a little different approach. Can you share with us what what is the philosophy and the work and the, the mission of uh, what you're uh, working at?
1: You know, the space enterprise was, you know, was a government monopoly for, for decades and decades, and then now it no longer is. So if you accept that notion that the commercial sector, or I'll use its phrase, civil society is driving the space agenda, and that we're moving to this global space economy, then we, we had decided that we need to look at a new paradigm in thinking in terms of governance. Now, you know, a lot of people get very antsy about governance and uh, are we going to be negotiating new treaties and, and regulations and all of that, which is which is all part of the equation, but it's more what are going to be kind of the fundamental rules that that are, are cross-cutting for no matter what you do in space. And with the off-world approach and the um, – The Washington Compact on norms of behavior for commercial space operations, a document that we've we've developed and I'll just put a plug in for we have 130 uh, signatories from around the world uh, from civil society signing on to it. What we wanted to do is suggest that maybe now is the time for civil society to uh, invest in kind of the intellectual firepower that's going to be needed to drive. Humans in, into space, and we've also you know we also took the view that we can't wait for governments to come to those decisions because of variety of things. There are priorities that governments have. There are the geopolitical situation, but the space enterprise is not going to wait for those things to be resolved. So, if if governments aren't keeping pace with technological developments with the commercial developments then you have a decision-making vacuum. And why not have civil society sit down and say, these are the things that we believe are important and this is how we want to behave. And if they translate into domestic or international instruments, that's good, but we want to use these things as a point of departure. And those kind of fundamentals that we've incorporated in the compact is transparency, predictability, um, interoperability and, and sustainability. And then from those general concepts, no matter what sector you're in, various things can flow down from there. So the compact is universal in the sense that it's applicable, no matter what you're doing in space. Um, it, it, um, it's not focused on one sector or another. So it means that the, there are principles here that everybody shares. No matter what it is that you're doing. And then if in a particular sector you believe there's more work that needs to be done, then you certainly can can pursue that within the framework of of the compact. But it really is a, a different way of looking at this, and it and it's going to really require a mind a, a change in the mindset of um, of of that whole notion of, of governance. And that is, you know, who who is going to be sitting at the table. Uh, is it going to be the civil society sitting at the table and the governments observing, or is it the government sitting at the table and civil society observing? We we think both can happen, and where they intersect, uh, that that's a good thing. So it is it is kind of an exciting, um, it's, it's an exciting concept to start thinking about. But again, in the end, if you think about People going into space, much like explorers went to other places eventually the the people that are there have to make the decisions and they have to interact and they have to um, they they have to to uh, I- interact among themselves they can 't wait for a letter from home telling them what to do. they have to do it there on the spot and that's that 's kind of the notion that we we want to uh, to engender and what, and what we're doing with the compact.
0: There's, um, I have a feeling that the back in the days of ocean exploration, the Shackleton days, the, the captain Scott Amundsen, there was a, a general fascination about, um, going to new places, right? The, the, the public was looking towards the, these explorers and living through them. And also there was an excitement about establishing yourself into these new places. I have a fear that today, it's a little bit kind of the opposite. We collectively, a thing that we think that our exploration is, an, is a negative aspect, right? We, we've contaminated, we've, we've messed up one planet. So now we cannot think even think of going to these new places. And that has created kind of a complacency of let's not go over there. Let's not do that. But what also it does is that it leaves the opportunity for others to actually go and set their own values or set their, you know, their own vision. And whether it's Antarctica, because right now there's a big debate about Antarctica, there's a, the technology is allowing us to increase the number of visitors because now you can do it with, you know, more comfort and you don't have to worry too much about the Drake passage. So the visitors are increasing a lot. And a lot of people are saying this should be close to people, right? This should be not accessible. And then you have the other side of it, which is where they are saying, no, it's happening, right? And we should not forbade people to go and experience it. Let's figure it out more how to manage the, the development and the growth, so that we can have national parks, we can have places they can go. But you cannot close the gates, right? Once these things are going, and it's the same thing for space. It is going. China is going. Russia is trying to grab its 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 uh, glory days again. But China is the big the big player in this. And you have all these other countries. And if we're not being an active leader in shaping that narrative, then others will create that story or these values or these principles and that might actually come at our own expense and this is where like we have to reconnect with that the 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 work that is needed even in our democracy i think that we've taken you know we're talking a little bit earlier which we're taking our society for granted we we think that now our, our institutions, our rights, you know, there's not a lot of work that needs to be done. They're, they're coming to us. But it's the opposite. Being a citizen into a, a democratic or in a society demands a participation. And if we want to, to, to make the, the vision of the world that, we're, that we have a reality, then there's work that has to be done. And that's where you're at, Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. Now, you know, what's, what's interesting is the, the examples you, you've used about going to the Antarctic and, and going you know, to other places, that whole sense of, of exploring for the sake of exploring and reporting back to your, your Academy of Explorers or whatever. Um, you're, you're right. A lot of that was just the idea of doing something really, really exciting that will catch the general public's attention. Once you get back from your two-year uh, tour through Africa or or, or whatever, uh, but 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 with space it's an entirely different different matter in the sense that again going to Antarctica there was no there was no international body that said yeah let's go to Antarctica and here are kind of the the rules of the road but with space we had this 1967 Outer Space Treaty where we realized that we Probably do want to to have some rules up there, but you know that was all caught up in the cold war um the cold War dynamics but what was interesting about the outer space treaty is that while it was an intergovernmental um, treaty and most and governments pretty you know had the monopoly on on space activities, it recognized it would be non governmental activities in space i mean i make personally I make the case and I'm not a, a lawyer, but I believe that you know in Article Six, where it talks about um, the authorization and, and, and supervision of, of national activities in space, including non-governmental entities, all but said we we expect we want non-governmental entities up there. Now, at the time, the, there would have been there was a big debate between the western, the east, and the west about you know private property, private enterprise and, and, and things of, the, of that nature. But yeah, you know, in essence, the government said anybody can go to space. I can go, me, I can go to space individually. However, the government will have to authorize and supervise you. Now, th- this, is a, this is a really interesting dynamic because while the treaty says everybody has access to space in essence your biggest limitation is your own government because your own government can say, no, you can't go to space or you can go except under all of these, under all of these conditions. And so you, so you're going to have to strike this balance between the desire to explore, uh, the desire to do different things going into space, but you still need you need a launching state, and there are only a handful of those currently in um, in the world. And then you need your government to say, "Yes, I authorize and I, and I supervise this." Now, where it where I th- see a difference is that um, the excitement of seeing somebody go into space is is still exciting, but it it has a a certain shelf life to it. So in my view, what's really driving our push to go into space is the economic opportunities that are arising. Um, And so this is going to be another dynamic, which is what what will be kind of the universal driver to to go into into space? Uh, Now, some people argue it's to escape planet Earth because we've we've messed things up here. Maybe maybe we can get it right if we go to go someplace else. I mean that but that's only that's only shifting a a problem from one geo- geographic location to another. It doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Others will say we want to go to space because we want to learn more about the origins of the universe and, and all of those things. But in the end when you look at it, people want to go into space because they see it as an economic and societal opportunity. And this is for me, the really interesting part of it, because it's, it, you don't need, um, a grant from the King to go to space. You don't need anything other than to say, I have an idea, I can build something. All I gotta do is find a launch, a, a launch vehicle and get a, and get some licenses. So. Where where I think the the um, where where I think the most interesting work is going to be done is under what conditions will that you know will that occur, and do are we going to have um, a unified set of principles for large operations in space or is it going to be country by country? But again, I come back to well. Shouldn't civil society, which is the one that really wants to do this, shouldn't they have a role in putting all of that together and then let the governments um, sort through how they, how they react, Uh, which is, is for me, it's fairly fascinating study in, in, uh, in a whole bunch of, of, of issues.
0: Yeah. It's at the end of the day, it's all about, like you just said, opportunities, What. I mean, there, there's obviously the, a lot of philosophy conversation, but when it comes down almost to the basic needs of of humanity, can I are, is over there representing giving me more opportunities that I have here? Am I willing to risk the energy or the effort for what I can get, you know, over there? And then for some, you know, the the, the promise of something better will oversee everything. So. It's it's that's that's what these new places are always offering when people when people come to me with the idea of, oh, so now we're going to go and mess up another location, you know, another place after earth. Well, I'm like, listen, every single child when they leave the house want to do better than their parents. It's not like the parents were waking up in the morning trying to do bad things. on They do. They do what they can with the tools and the knowledge and and, and with their own, you know, back baggage, uh, baggage and and history. And then hopefully they're able to create children that will go on and not repeat the same mistake, but the children will make their own mistake. And then, you know, life continues. That is exactly the same thing that's going to happen as we go to space. We're going to space with the intent of doing things better, but we will run into our own challenges and struggles and we need to make sure that we have a structure in place so that we can manage those we you know it has to be resilient and not being idealistic and thinking it's going to be you know kind of utopian world where everybody walks hand in hand and just goes out and you know and travels to mars no it's going to be it's going to be complicated with a lot of different uh, goals and we have to be prepared for that now, Ken, Andy, in, in your work of looking for these the, with the Compact and finding the support, what has been the, the response? Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, good energy of people saying, oh, finally, someone is taking the lead. But also, what has been the struggle in convincing people to put their stamp of approval? It
1: ha- wasn't so much a, a struggle once we had a chance to talk with people about what we were trying to do, um, this is where I come to, to that the phrase I've used about the changing the paradigm in thinking. Uh, the, fir- the first reaction many times was, "Well, the, you know, the UN Outer Space Committee will take care of this," or um, or the ITU, or you know, other large intergovernmental body. So why, why is this different? And, and so, you know, we, we, again, we're explaining now is the time for civil society to step up to the plate and take responsibility for how we behave in space. It's not simply saying there's a problem, you, the government, solve it. And when they don't solve it, then we complain you haven't solved it. Or when they try to solve it and it's not what we want, then we complain to them and eventually they the government just throws up their hands or just says okay just live with with what we've done. So it was more why aren't we just putting these things down on paper and why aren't we having kind of a a collective view of what we think are, are the fundamental things that are important for for us to be able to succeed. Uh that that and and many times um you you had that, uh, you you had that thinking with people you know like my age, <laughs> who who had come up you know over the over the decades in the in kind of the space space arena. The the younger the younger entrepreneurs when we talk, uh, they they kind of embraced this idea, because for them it was we are i'm i'm really focused on getting financing for the widget i want to build and all the other things but i didn't realize at some point i've got to be spending money on not building something but on taking care of paperwork now I, i'm using that as shorthand but basically having to deal with the range of things that they would be required to do in order to 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 um, be in space and so i think that 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 was kind of one of the, the the big challenges was getting over that hurdle that this is not another kind of intergovernmental exercise. This was going to be driven by by civil society, and civil society has to take responsibility for doing these things, and where they intersect with what with the government interests, they, then then you know that then that's good. Um, and so what we found is is that people have have been um, very enthusiastic. I mean, I, in, in many cases, we've had uh, folks say this is long overdue, and we're quite we're quite happy to see this kind of a discussion um, occur. And, I, and we're not suggesting at the institute that we have all all of the answers, uh, but we do see this as as a a good uh, starting point, and hopefully we can start shifting the the discussions in the various fora that take place. So um, you know, every day where international gatherings are there to look at one aspect of space or or another, and, we're, and what we want to do is is uh, uh, is uh, foster this whole notion that we you know the people that want to be up there and want to invest they should be having some say in how the rules are set
0: the uh, earlier when you were talking about the government you know some of the challenges that the government creates by uh for the the commercial i was thinking about how the just the 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 spacesuits the spacesuits are still considered weapons and really hard for any companies to come in and exchange the technology or, you know, have the trade between companies because in the law, spacesuits are weapons and no one is allowed to trade weapons unless obviously you're the government. So just, you know, changing the the, these, these things that we don't even think about until they have to be. And like, I wouldn't be surprised that this is one of the reasons why SpaceX, you know, you look at the the guys who go up into the the uh, the rocket, they don't have a space suit because they still have legislative issues on developing the technology that is still considered uh, space, uh, weapons. Ken, what was what is the the origin of the off wall approach coming from the Hague Institute for Global Justice? Because usually one person would not. Like if you send an email and you're in your signature is the Hague Institute for Global Justice, one would not think, okay, of course, this is about space. How did that come to be and for you to uh, be where you are now?
1: Well, my, my colleague, uh, Lady S- uh, Sohair Salam, who is the, the president of the Hague Institute for Global Justice, contacted me very soon after I retired from the State Department in 2020, and uh, and said, I have just taken over this this institute. Um, it, it does good work, but I want something that's future oriented. And I was thinking, what about space? Uh, and uh, and she said, I wanted, I want to do something for my grandkids. I want to to look at something that that will have an impact in the in the future. And space occurred to me. Um, I'm not an expert in, in any of this. Do you have any ideas? Uh, and ironically enough, one of the pieces of unfinished business I had when I was at the State Department was how do we get more civil society input into what we're do- in the work we're doing? Now, we did that uh, just to digress for a moment. We, we did that very successfully in the UN, particularly on the um, guidelines for the long-term sustainability of, of outer space, where... Uh, in the in the the program of work that we put together uh, to start looking at this issue, we we wanted to get experts involved. Uh, for my part, we worked very hard to keep in contact with the private sector, through, mostly through the trade associations rather than individual companies, and say this is what we want to do, and th- and so we'd like your input. In, in making sure that we aren't going off the rails we want this we want the the sustainability guidelines to be something that everybody can can embrace uh, it took a little work to do that but you you've seen the success today of the uh, of the guidelines and uh, you know I just listened to the webcast of the s;T subcommittee uh, and their and their working group um, on long-term sustainability guidelines. And it's really it's quite incredible to see how far uh, how far we've come, you know, come with that. And so the I wanted to take that experience and, and using the Hague Institute as a platform for that was 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 ideal. And you know, Lady Sohair and really uh, was was quite visionary in, in in recognizing that we could take that that institute because it is an international non-governmental organization so it's a permanent body that has staff and everything else so you can do follow-on work that you don't get with major conferences necessarily a lot of good ideas but people go home and it's up to somebody to take the initiative so that whole notion of having let's put together a civil society driven Platform to look at governance was, uh, was what we were trying to drive at. So uh, over the course of, of um, the next couple of years after that, we put together the, uh, the compact and, and um, uh, finalized the, the draft in, uh, on July 4th, uh, 2022. And since then, we've been approaching one, one person at a time uh, to, uh, to get, bring them on board with the, uh, with the compact.
0: Now, if people want to find out more about the compact or the off world approach, or if they want to maybe uh, sign it or, or, or discover more, where do they have to go? Or how is it available online on the site or they have to contact you uh, personally?
1: No, it's online uh, at the site. It's um, the the Hague Institute for Global Justice dot org, and it's called the Off World Approach. So you'll you'll see all of the all the other things that the institute is is doing, but we have the Off World Approach, and we have an advisory council to the Off World Approach um, that uh, that that provides input on on the types of work that we want to do. But the Off World Approach. Is kind of the standalone program. The compact was its first um, was its first product, and we hope to have other things that uh, that we that we can study in, in greater detail or 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 work on with with other entities, um, including including governments. I just want to add we've we've talked with all of the you know the major space agencies and and various uh, government Entities that are um, associated with space, so we keep we've kept them aware of what we're doing. Uh, we've presented it to the UN Outer Space Committee. We've presented it to the um, UN Secretary General, and, uh, you know, for their information. We aren't asking the, uh, the UN to do anything specific with it, but but we're we're quite open to cooperation and. Uh, and seeing where our work can can be uh, mutually supportive
0: i 'm pretty sure that your experience from the government aspect comes handy when dealing with these institutions right
1: yes yes it 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 does i mean we don 't have governments have not necessarily endorsed what we've what we 've done but the other the other interesting thing about what we were trying to accomplish as well is at the international level. The issue of sustainability of space and good behavior in space takes uh, on—it's not surprising—takes on a hugely governmental flavor to it, Um, because these issues have been discussed in terms of governance in intergovernmental bodies, particularly in the in the UN and then bilaterally, Uh, and. So we what we also wanted to do is is recognize that there is a political part to all of this. I mean, banning weapons in space, criticizing co- countries for poor behavior. okay, those are all you know those are all things that, that, that governments do. I mean that's that's why that's why they they're there. But we didn't want the totality of the discussion on good behavior. In space, or the sustainability of space, to be a function of what governments decide, and so we wanted to have a, a a counterweight, if you will, and say, look, these are the things that we think are important. They overlap, for the most part, with what governments are discussing, but we also have these other other issues. Personally, um, you know, I I think that in time governments will welcome this because it sheds it sheds a certain amount of work off their plate where they aren't having to worry about okay what are we doing as governments and then how and and then what's going to be the reaction domestically from our own you know from our own companies and you know we we, we would really like kind of a release valve if you will In some other forum, so that those so things that we really aren't interested in, but we know civil society is interested in, we don't have to take up. Maybe there's someplace else that they can uh, can do that. Um, And I think that the it's kind of a byproduct of of what we what we put into place with the with the compact.
0: Is um, I mean, besides maybe they're they're not interested, but have you? Reached out to Chinese companies or Chinese individuals uh, to try to bring them into this conversation.
1: Yes, we have uh, we have two uh, two non-governmental entities from China. Um, in fact, an uh, uh, expert from, from China was on our drafting group uh, for the compact. Uh, we have uh, you know we have signatories from from India. From the Asia Pacific, as I said, from China, one, one entity from Russia, uh, entities from Africa, South America, North America, and Europe. So we we've been universal in terms of of geography as as well as sectors uh, in the in the compact. And so we're continuing to to contact people. Uh, and, and certainly, going to the website, you'll have the contact information for for anybody else that's that's interested in uh, in talking with us because we would certainly welcome it. And the, the as we move forward, the the types of groups that we're we're beginning to make contact with, I would never have imagined two years ago, which is really exciting uh, because you know, you you just see the breadth. Of of interest in space and the real innovation that's that's occurring in areas that you would not think of.
0: Well, congratulations on the amazing work, and we'll make sure that all the links are in the uh, the description on how to reach you, how to find more about the Compact, the Hague Institute for Global Justice, and and the upworld approach. Ken, I always end the uh, these conversations because I. I'm always interviewing people that have a wealth of knowledge and not just career-wise, but as humans. Um, So my last question is always the same. What are the three words? What are your three words of wisdom? Ken's three words of wisdom.
1: Well, I I mean, the first was being a contrarian um, because I, I think that that for, this, for the space enterprise, it always has to be, someone says, you, you can't do that. And it's, well, why not? Now, it's more, for me, I'm not an engineer or a scientist or, or anything. But if someone says, you can't do this, you, know, you can't build a structure on the moon. Well, why you know, why not? Well, because the moon belongs to everybody. Okay, that's, that's fine. But how do you take care of that? I think the other, the other thing, uh, other word I would use is flexibility. The the legacy of this space governance has been it, extreme flexibility, extreme in a very positive way. There's a problem internationally and we've solved it through treaties, through informal coordination mechanisms, through associations, through bilateral agreements, through Multilateral agreements among a small number of countries. Uh, I think you're going to need that flexibility in things like insurance, in finance, and I think that that's really um, that's really going to be um, uh, crucial in the in the in the future. And then the other one is just imagination. You know what what is it that I can do? Again, going back to the carpenter, the plumber, and the electrician. Why aren't you know? Why aren't we getting into the vocational and technical institutes here, at least in the United States, where I've advocated for this, explaining we need way down in the supply chain people who make space their, their, their profession. And it's they you may never go to space, but you're going to build things for it. And we'll probably need a plumber up on a space station someday, or an electrician, or a carpenter, or or a welder on the on the moon putting things together. So that, that those are kind of the things I would I would keep in mind, uh or I do keep in mind as I move forward.
0: Well, great words of wisdom. Um I always make a, an effort to uh, point the difference between can't and doesn't work. Can't is like, there's no longevity to it. There's, it's a, it's a point of either opposition or, or direction, but there's, there's no manual of instruction. Like it doesn't, it doesn't lead to anything as opposed to it doesn't work. Well, then the problem is a solution, right? If, if it doesn't work this way, then you can work some other ways. Um, and as we, talk about like, you know, Antarctica, the moon, can't doesn't lead to anything. It just like, it's not involving any any anything after, but it doesn't work. And, and I think that for me, that's the, the, the insight, the wisdom, it's figuring out what works, what doesn't work, what not what you can and can't, but what works, what doesn't work. And what works today often doesn't work tomorrow and there's it demands maintenance so it's more of a relationship as opposed to this kind of singular affirmation or 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 opposition so that's one thing um that i'm always uh, uh careful to uh, to make a difference ken it's always a pleasure thank you so very much and i'm looking forward for our next face to face whether in dc or on the road uh, but I'm looking forward to see the compact and the uh, the world approach grow, and the message to um, to continue to influence the work. Because obviously, it's a it's a value proposition. You know, it's a it's a foundation build of values and principles, and how we want to shape the future. And uh, your work and uh, with uh, Lady Soar is uh, commendable. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, and thank you for being part of the compact which is, uh, which is really great. I, yeah. Look forward to, to uh, talking with you again.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Ken.
1: We, we could do this for three hours. Yes,
0: we sure can. With, uh, <laughs> with uh, maybe two bottles of wine then, but yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Bye Ken. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.